John Bailey, and on this week's episode of Popcorn Junkie, we've got a Mother's Day double feature. First up is Melissa McCarthy's new comedy about a divorced mom who goes back to college, Life of the Party. Then Gabrielle Union makes her triumphant return as a mom pushed to the edge to protect her kids against would-be burglars in Breaking In. Plus a quick Netflix and chat about the original Death Wish. Let's get started. You know what? I'm older. I'm wiser. This? Essentially a Google. Ask me anything. Turn off your Google. It can't be turned off. Okay, I don't like it. I did not know they were going to be here. What is on your lobe, Dan? It's an earring. Oh. Works for Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford blew up the Death Star in Free to Galaxy. What have you done, Dan? I honestly did not expect the amount of hate to come out of this movie that I saw from other reviewers. Uh, mainly uh, Brad Jones, the cinema snob, and uh, the, the crew over Double Toasted. They full-on hated this movie and honestly i i couldn't not that it's good oh no 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 don't 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 think that no no it's not good but i didn't hate it as much as other people seem to uh basic premise uh for those who haven't seen the trailer or the movie is melissa mccarthy gets divorced by her husband and since she had to drop out her last her senior year of college in order to raise uh raise her baby uh who is now going off to her own senior year of college uh Melissa McCarthy decides to return to that same college which is her alma mater to finish out her degree uh specifically in archaeology for some reason uh and the idea is it's a back to school scenario. I mean, people will, you know, people will compare this to uh, the Rodney Dangerfield movie Back to School. I mean, how can you not? It's basically the same premise. The difference is this is a, this feels like a stream of consciousness movie. It feels like they didn't have a plot in mind. They just decided, oh, what if we did this thing? And so it's a matter of, oh, uh, the mom is, mom has to deal with some mean girls on campus for, because reasons, you know, not for any particular reason. They're just, they're just mean. And they have to learn that us girls have to stick together. We can't keep tearing each other. They, They hammer that point home like it's the point of the movie. But this movie was not about women learning to work together. This was never about that theme. They just keep kept hammering that point home as though it meant something. Um, but yeah, then there's like, oh, she gets to join the sorority with her daughter. And oh, she has troubles public speaking, but has no problem dancing. Doing really outrageous 80s dance moves at a party. And oh, she doesn't understand Harry Potter references, but... She made a Voldemort reference earlier in the movie. Like I said, this is all stream of consciousness almost. It's like nobody was really thinking about continuity or anything like that. It was more like, oh, Melissa McCarthy goes to college. Won't this be fun, you guys? And yeah, no, I mean, it's just, it's, it's a hot, hot mess. And yeah, most of the jokes don't really hit, especially the ones from the trailer. The whole the Google joke is really lame. Uh... 
But yeah, but once again, Melissa McCarthy is not the one, not the best part of this movie. It really is the supporting cast. Like Chris Parnell's in here in a wasted role as her uh, professor, who looks like they want to try and make like they, they like he keeps hinting that oh she, you're my favorite student, but they never. So you're not sure if like oh once she graduates, are they going to hook up or something? But no, it's never. No, it's more like oh here's this hot stud who is really sexually attracted to. Melissa McCarthy for no real apparent reason. It's just, oh, Melissa McCarthy gets to hook up with a hot guy the whole movie. And then it turns out there's a relation to, uh, there, there's like some big twist with uh, who he is uh, at, some, at one point during the movie. Maya Rudolph gets some, get, it, 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 she's trying. She's trying to be funny, but this movie doesn't really support her being funny. and She is not at her best here, sadly. And I love Maya Rudolph, but... No, the supporting cast needs a better movie. For one thing, it needed actual writers. This is, this is pure improv writing 101. Like, here's the thing. I've been, I think I've mentioned this before in the whole Judd Apatow ruined uh, cinematic comedies episode sort of thing. Um, improv writing, basically, if you, have, if you aren't familiar with it, ta- has you take a premise and then make up everything on the fly. All the dialogue, all the story elements, all that's mi- completely made up as it goes along. And as we've come to find out, that doesn't work. A good movie needs structure. You can't haphazardly build a structure and say, look at this. This is a fine, fine thing. It's completely held together with bubble gum and scotch tape. In that, we didn't, didn't we do a good job? No. No one wants to be in that thing. It's, it's garbage. So, this movie, yeah. I, mean, I guess that's the thing. Everything about it is bad. I don't think there's a really good element to this entire movie, but I didn't hate it. Like, it it, it really is just a another terrible example of why good good writing is necessary, and you can't sell a movie just on improvisation alone. You need someone to know what they're doing, and it turns out this is another collaboration between Melissa McCarthy and her husband, Falcone. So basically, he doesn't hold her to any real standard. It's more of a vanity project for her. And, and that's, that's, those movies don't work. We, we can tell that, it's not, that she's not putting in a lot of real effort into it. Otherwise, we would see something of value in here. We don't. It's a Melissa McCarthy vanity project, and it and it shows in in the final product. And yeah, I mean, if this is up your alley, be my guest. But no, nah, for me, it's just another terrible improv comedy movie. And Melissa McCarthy uh, is going to be seems to be in a more uh, dramatic turn later this year. And can you ever forgive me? And that might, that'll be leaps and bounds better just because, holy cow, there's going to be a story with characters in it. It's not going to be, hey, guys, how about, can you give, like, I'm just imagining the cast of this movie as an improv troupe being like, hey, guys, can you give us a setting? Okay, I heard college. Ooh, what's, what's, but who are we playing? Oh, I heard a divorced mom. Let's do this. 
All right. Uh, and it's it really is a, it's a terrible movie. But it's but it didn't piss me off the way it did other people. So give it a, really if you want to see it, wait till it comes out on video. There's no reason to go see this in theaters. It's not worth it. I'm just a mom. You have no clue what I'm capable of. She's in the house. This isn't gonna work. You're done. Broke into the wrong house. I feel like it's been forever since I saw a Gabrielle Union led movie. I'm looking back through her um through her filmography. Uh she's been supporting characters and stuff. She was in that Sleepless movie uh, starring Jamie Foxx. Uh, she was featured in stock footage for that Girls Trip movie, which took place at like a prominent Black Awards ceremony. Uh, she was in Almost Christmas. She, apparently she was a supporting character in Birth of a Nation. I don't remember her at all in that. Um, apparently the last... Uh, the last time she was really prominent in a cast was Top 5 in 2014. Uh, yeah, I'm not recognizing her. Wait a minute, what's this one? Apparently she was in a movie directed by Ava DuVernay. That was just a short film, though. So yeah, it, feel, it feels good. I feel like... Gabrielle Union is one of those um, actresses that doesn't get as much credit as she should. She is, number one, just outright gorgeous. And number two, genuinely a good actress. And uh, apparently she's also been voicing Nala on Disney's The Lion Guard series. So that's 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 been a thing. Uh, some Emilio Estevez movie called The Public that I, I don't think ever saw the light of day outside of L, outside of Los Angeles. Um, yeah, I'm not recognizing any, any I'm not recognizing her prominently in any of the movies that are listed on her IMDb page. Uh, apparently she was in that Good Deeds movie that from Tyler Perry which, oof. I mean, Take a paycheck where you can get it, but a um, couple of TV credits. But I feel like she's been she's one of the actresses that deserves better. I mean, she is she's amazing, and I love her, and I feel like I need more of her. And this movie proved that we deserve more Gabrielle Union, even though it isn't all that good. Anyway, uh, we're talking about the movie Breaking In. Brought to us by director James McTeague, best known for V for Vendetta, The Raven, and Ninja Assassin. Okay then. Well, 
Apparently, he also worked on Sense8 and Marco Polo for Netflix. Not exactly, not exactly, um, a real go-to guy. But, uh, this movie, and then, and then written by Ryan Engel, who, I don't, who wrote the last two Liam Neeson movies, Nonstop and The Commuter, and was also a writer on this year's Rampage, and was also credited for the story. So these aren't exactly, like, winners. Uh, and that kind of shows in the ultimate, uh, product, in the final product, but, um, I didn't come here for them. I didn't come here to see a good movie. I came here to see Gabrielle Union kick ass, and that's what I got. Gabrielle Union plays the daughter of a major criminal who's kind of cut herself off from the family and is forced back in after, uh, after, um... I don't know if you can hear the lawn mower in the background. Apparently now's the time my neighbor decides to mow her lawn. But, uh, yeah, I think we'll screw it. We'll keep it in. We're doing it live. Um, yeah, anyway, uh, she's forced back into um, his, uh, to take care of his house after he dies suddenly. and in, And it turns out that He's been targeted by a couple of by a couple of criminals led by Billy Burke, who people are like, "Oh yeah, I love Billy Burke." I'm like, "Who?" Apparently, he is Bella Swan's dad in the Twilight series, and was the villain in Drive Angry. I don't know. I guess he's just one of those character actors that people are like, "Oh yeah, I love Billy Burke," and I'm like, "I have no idea who the hell you guys are talking about." But um. Anyway, she uh, is she thinks nothing nothing of it, and then it turns out the burglars hold her kids hostage, and she's forced to go full on commando to take these guys out as best she can. And um, there's even a brief cameo by uh, Krista Miller from Scrubs and the Drew Carey Show as the as the realtor. Apparently, she was also in the Andromeda Strain miniseries for A and E or TV movie. Never, never saw that one. But uh, and this one is mainly centered on Gabrielle Union and her two kids, played by Adriana Alexis, I believe is how you pronounce that. Uh, she was just in, she played young Melinda in Acrimony. I don't know if that's Taraji's character. Yeah, she played the young version of Taraji P. Henson in Acrimony, and yet apparently she's also um. She's also supposed to be, like, 16 in this movie. I don't know how old she is uh, in real life, but now that I know... Now she looks more 16 here than uh, what than, uh, than I expected her to. Uh, she's also in that 13 Reasons Why uh, series as one of the characters there. I, I, I tend to... Bl- I blocked out 13 Reasons Why. It's a garbage show, and I can't believe it's got a second season. And then you've got Seth Carr as the as her son, who was young Killmonger in Black Panther, and was also featured on Days of Our Lives, and was also young Holt in Brooklyn Nine Nine. So this kid, this kid's starting to come up, and and he does he does all right here. Um, and then Billy Burke's crew is rounded out by uh, Mark Furs, Levi Meaden, and Richard Cabral. 
Cabral? Richard Cabral, I think. Uh, Cabral was in Paranormal Activity, The Marked Ones, Walk of Shame, and End of Watch. That's great things to be known for. Uh, Levi Meaden was known for that Aftermath series on sci-fi or movie, I guess, whatever. Uh, The Killing for Netflix and The Hundred. And something called Olympus that I don't recognize at all. So he's a, he might as well be a complete unknown. And then Mark Furs is known for Home and Away, Underbelly, Rebel, and Outriders. Once again, none of these ring a bell. He doesn't either. So these are all, rel- outside from Gabriel Union and Billy Burke, these are all mostly unknowns. And then Krista Miller, who's a character, who's mo- more known as a supporting actress. But she's, bar- but she's a glorified cameo. Anyway, um... I dig, I this movie is fine. It's better than a lot of the movies of this elk. These cheap sort of thrill, PG-13 thrillers. Kidnap uh, was last year's uh, entry into this sort of cheap PG-13 thriller genre. And this one, I would much rather watch this than, than Kidnap again. But... It's 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 almost so bad it's good in a lot of places. They literally drop. I I heard this. I could not believe my ears when I heard it. They have have one. Of, I think it's um. I think it's uh Cabral who uh says it. I, I think one of the bad guys says, you, you know, you gotta be freaking kidding me or freaking something. Get something freaking done or something. Somebody says one of the bad guys says freaking. They literally say freaking. I heard it. You, I did. I cannot unhear it. I, I, I know it's in this movie. And then it's limited by you know the. There's not a lot of all the all the violence is 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 cut away and hidden for the most part. But but yet there's a extended sequence where one of the bad guys sexually assaults and threatens to rape uh, the daughter towards the end. So it's interesting to see what PG-13 will let you get away with. Oh, threatening sexual, you know, act, committing sexual assault and threatening rape. Oh, that's fine. As long as you don't actually, you know, commit the crime. But, oh no, we can't show too much blood. And we can only use one F-bomb. Everybody else has to use the word freaking in the movie. But yeah, it's bad. That said, I came in to see Gabrielle Union kick ass. I left having seen Gabrielle Union kick ass. That is a win in my book. I, will, I, probably, won't, I probably won't watch this movie unless it's like a, like a late night, midnight kind of drunk watch. That's the kind of movie this is. But I got what I wanted. That's all I ask. Now all I ask is that we get more Gabrielle Union and stuff. That's the big thing. I want this to su- succeed only because I want more Gabrielle Union in this stuff. Seriously, she's amazing. Why don't we have more of her? Seriously. Uh, anyway, yeah, it's this 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 could have been better as an R, but no, we gotta make PG thirteen is we're tying back to all kinds of old episodes now because PG thirteen is a garbage genre is a garbage rating that only ruins R rated movies and only ruins PG movies by trying to make them more trying to make them seem more adult than they actually are. Get rid of the PG-13 rating. It is useless. And it only ruins movies. <sighs> Sorry, that's to absolutely nobody. I'm screaming into the void at this point. Anyway, breaking in. 
Eh, see it. If you get if you're at a theater where you can get drunk, see it, see it there. Eh, but otherwise, you can wait to watch it at home. It this is a this is a pure late night cable midnight drunk watch movie. But I had fun, which is more than I can say for Life of the Party. Salutations, ladies and gentlemen. It's the Popcorn Junkie here for a little Netflix and chat. Oh, right. This was a bit late. This one should have come out in March, but I forgot to watch it then, and I'm catching up on the Now Playing podcast right now, and they did a Death Wish retrospective leading up to the remake. And I had never seen the original, so before I wanted to start... I, I don't care as much about the sequels. I at least wanted to see the first one. And so, in order to keep up with that, with those, I, I, um, I finally went and I finally rented that original Death Wish and watched it. And it's better than the remake, but that's not saying much. Um... This is... I, I forget that Death Wish is essentially an exploitation movie. It's Dino De Laurentiis, who is definitely a schlock filmmaker. Uh, <laughs> Dino De Laurentiis is not known for quality filmmaking. So I, I feel weird that people consider this like a classic. Because it's not. It's, it, that's like saying... Uh, I mean, it's a classic in the same vein that Last House on the Left is a classic. Or Ilsa She-Wolf of the SS is a classic. But at least those went farther, you know? It's Death Wish isn't a real classic. It's just another trashy exploitation movie. I mean, if you enjoy it, good. I wouldn't call it a classic. I mean, it definitely shaped the face of exploitation movies for the time being. I mean, it was definitely tapping into a vein held by a lot of people, still held by a lot of people, because a lot of the rhetoric used in this movie is stuff I continue to hear in actual public spaces. People... Make these same arguments, like like they like they hold any weight, uh, and it's like it's like seeing these same seeing arguments you lobbied lobbied for you know political causes that that you saw in a cartoon. That's what this is. This is more of a cartoon than anything. Like the hoodlums in this movie feel like the Warriors rejects. I feel like they weren't even cool enough to be in the Warriors. I was not scared of us one of these muggers. I don't get, like, they all sound, number one, they all sounded strung out like, hey man, give me your money. You know, it felt like, it felt like they, you know, like they were all strung out on stuff. They, none of, not I, one of them sounded threatening in the least. And the whole premise, and once again, the whole premise is a fallacy. Like, not to get too political, but I'm gonna, but in case it needs to be said, the good guy with the gun idea is a fallacy. There is no good guy with a gun. And if there was, who determines who the good guy is? How do you determine a good guy with a gun? Because by that logic, aren't the police the good? Shouldn't the police be the good guys with the gun? Uh, it, 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 it's all fantasy wish fulfillment. The idea that a vigilante can make a difference as though that has ever worked. No, nah, I mean, the only people, the only people who have 
really made a difference are the people who have actually solved the problems that led to this in the first place. Like the whole reason behind a lot of this stuff was systemic. It was the it's 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 part of the system. You know, putting leaving people at the bottom. What did you expect them to do when they're not given any other options? That's the whole thing. This system is broken, and you think you're going to fix it by killing the people at the bottom? Not the people at the top who perpetuate it? Like, hello? Are you stupid? I mean, you, you kind of are stupid because you're saying that, you're saying the problem... Oh, the problem isn't that the muggers feel the need to go need, feel the need to do that in lieu of nothing else. No, the problem isn't that. The problem the problem isn't the people at the top who have forced these muggers into a life of poverty by means of their race, their um, mental well being. These you know, these guys don't need help, and you know, reintegration to society. They don't need. They don't. You know, it's not like. They were driven to drug addiction by one by for one reason or another. No, no, no. The, the problem isn't these outlying factors that should be addressed. No, the problem is that they're just bad guys. And the allusion to the Old West makes sense because that was also a fallacy. There were no good guys in the Old West. It was just a bunch of dickheads shooting at each other. It's this fantasy that these that some people have created for themselves that, oh, the only way to stop a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun there are no good guys and bad guys you made that up to give yourself some moral high ground when you literally straight up kill somebody like that's the whole thing the reason batman works and the punisher doesn't is because the batman is is a vigilante who uses not who's supposed to use non-lethal methods to detain criminals in order to put them through the system Granted, the system is also the problem in Gotham, which is why, which is why he continually has to redo his job because the system itself is broken. He's not solving the real problem. He's just a band-aid to the actual problem, which is the system itself. The system needs changing, and he could influence that, but he would rather dress around as a bat and beat people up. <laughs> not to rag on Batman too much. I mean, it, I, I'm not saying anything anybody else hasn't said about the guy, but... Compare that to the Punisher, who's taking out the same quote-unquote bad guys. The difference being, the Punisher is the villain because he murders people. Because murdering is bad. You can't say murder is good when it's the, against the right people. No, come on. You can't, you can't call, give yourself the moral high ground when you're saying, oh, we're killing the right people, and then say, oh, you can't kill the wrong people. You can't kill people, but these guys can kill people. That's hypocrisy. So yeah, this is a wannabe Punisher. And the reason the Punisher was introduced as a villain is because this mindset is villainous. He may be doing it for the right reasons, but he is still a bad guy. You know, by, by, by that term, you know, you can't say because he kills criminals that makes him the good guy he's still the bad guy he's still not a real hero batman detains bad guys he wants to stop criminal activity he just doesn't do it the right way because he doesn't stop the systemic reasons crime exists he just takes out the actual criminals and as though like oh 
there's a finite group of criminals. We'll just stop them. And then when the new criminals pop up, oh, well, we'll just stop the new criminals too. And it's not like, you know, they won't come out of, because the system's broken or anything. So, yeah. It, 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 this isn't a great movie. I, 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 I kind of feel like maybe I'm not better off for, I'm not, you know, I'm not better or worse off for watching it. I just don't agree with it, its ideology. I think it's a messed up ideology, and I don't think it solves the actual problems it wants to solve. It's just fantasy wish fulfillment. That's all it is. And if people and if people took it as that, I would be fine with that. Say, oh, wouldn't it be nice if this solved the problems? That's what superheroes do. The reason it works in superhero comics is because we understand it's a fantasy. It's not going to work that way. We have to solve real problems with real solutions. We have to solve the. We can't. Sol- we can't just take off. You know, put a bandaid on something that's systemically, you know, broken. You know, you can't. <laughs> you can't cure cancer with a bandaid. You have to go into the source of what caused the cancer and attack it there. And that's the thing that these people who argue for good guys with guns and more guns on the street, as though turning the street into a literal war zone will solve anything. The only thing it solves is putting poc- putting money in the pockets of the people who make the guns. And also the funeral industry, you know? <laughs> so yeah, Death Wish. It, 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 if you like it, man, fine. I just know that this, I don't consider this a classic. I consider it a schlock fest like most of De Laurentiis' stuff. And it's still better than the remake, but that isn't saying much. So... Those are all the films I saw this weekend. Uh, we'll be take a quick break and come back with an interesting uh, thought experiment, we'll call it. Into every generation, a slayer is born. One girl in all the world. A chosen one. And alongside her are the Watchers. We are the Watchers. Once more with Feeling is a 20th anniversary Buffy fancast where we gather and watch episodes of Buffy, discuss them, and release it every Tuesday. Grr. Arg. sure what to do for this Mother's Day. Last Mother's Day I listed my seven favorite movie moms uh, fictional specifically and I wanted, I was considering doing the worst but I didn't have the, t- the time to compile a list of the fictional, the worst fictional movie moms and someone uh, I asked around my uh, various podcast groups and uh, someone, some people suggested I do um my own mom's favorite movies, which I think I'll do next year. I'll do a tie-in, so my mom, I'll do my mom's favorite on Mother's Day and my dad's favorite on Father's Day, and then, um, yeah, I think I'll do that. And but uh, someone else, uh, some people brought up uh, unconventional mothers, uh, things like uh, Mr. Mom, uh, which I think would be an interesting topic to cover at one point. But I, I eventually settled on uh, something that's been mulling around in my head. Um, now it turns out I wasn't the only one to, to, uh, think of the term Christ exploitation because there is 
a a in the actual list of exploitation genres, someone did post Christ exploitation in there. So I'm not alone in this one. However, I did want to pose a quandary. Is mom exploitation a genre? Now, you might be wondering, what on the hell are you talking about, dude? What what would mom exploitation even be? I think I mentioned it at one point early on uh, in the podcast and never come, came back to it. Or maybe it was something I was thinking of for a topic but never went into. For those who aren't familiar with the term, exploitation movies are... Um, let me pull up the actual definition from the Wikipedia page just so I can go off the uh go off the actual terminology that is acceptable. Um an exploitation film is a film that attempts to succeed financially by exploiting current trends, niche genres, or lured content. And exploitation films are generally low quality B movies, even so they sometimes also attract critical attention and cult followings. Uh and sometimes they'll catch on to a current trend. Sometimes they'll catch on. Sometimes they'll exploit a certain group. You know, ex- famous uh, subgenres are things like black exploitation. That's probably the most famous. Um, cannibal films. Uh, Oz exploitation was a big one back in the '60s and '70s. Rape and revenge fantasies is a big one. Red exploitation, where you're fighting communists. There's a lot of Nazi exploitation movies. Sex exploitation is a big one. Apparently, the spaghetti western are considered exploitation movies. Uh, women in prison films, uh, slasher movies were big exploitations, and splatter kind of splatter gory movies. Mockbusters are considered an exploitation style movie. Giallo films from Italy, mondo films, uh, shockumentaries or quasi documentary films on sensationalized topics. The first Mondo film is Mondo Kane, A Dog's World. Others include Shocking Asia, Africa Blood and Guts, and Faces of Death. Oh, interesting. Um, so that begs the question. Can you make... Is there such, would there be such a thing as momsploitation? Can you exploit mothers as a niche, as a, as a, as a niche group? I think the main answer is you, you you shouldn't be able to, but at the same time, you shouldn't be able to say black. You know, you, you shouldn't be able to say, "Oh, all black people will enjoy this sort of thing." No, but 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 at the same time, it caters to people of that sub to people of that group. So, black exploitation caters to the black community. Sex exploitation appeals to horny people, um, and then most of these B movies cater to people who have who like terrible movies. Uh, so I think, and if you can do so with Christ exploitation, exploit evangelical Christians who want to see their beliefs purported on film, is mom exploitation? Can you consider mom exploitation a thing? What would that even? What would that even be like? I think I've come up with something. Go with me on this. A mom exploitation movie features older protagonists, mostly women who are middle aged and older. Uh, often deals with mothers or motherhood, upper middle class and and wealthier lifestyles. It's mostly like a lot of exploitation movies. It's a lot of wish fulfillment, and 
and like a lot of exploitation movies, it lacks in story and character and relies on contrivings over logic, and it's made cheaply. And I think for exploitation, the most the most recurring g- genre would be rom coms. And not all rom-coms, obviously. Not all rom-coms are made equally. But I think certain rom-coms could be considered momsploitation by the notion that they appeal to upper-middle-class women, upper-middle-class and uh, wealthier women, aged 35 to 65, and deal with these kind of topics that appeal to motherhood. And uh, appeal... To women who are mothers, or or who are fill the role of a of a mother. Now, not now. This isn't perfect, obviously, but I think I have a couple of good examples. Big one: those last three Gary Marshall movies. Before he died, Gary Marshall made three movies that could easily be considered exploitation. Specifically, his last one. Mother's Day. Mother's Day is my is my specific example for mom exploitation. It features mainly older actresses, maybe not specifically middle aged, but definitely older. It features features stories centering on motherhood and wants to portray portray ideals that cater to a lot of upper middle class women's ideas. Of motherhood, I think. Uh, I think another good example, uh, one that we're getting a sequel to later this year, is Mamma Mia. I think my, my, I mean specifically my mom. I know loves Mamma Mia. I'm sure if you ask your own mothers if they liked Mamma Mia, they probably say, "Oh, I love Mamma Mia." I think that's the thing. Mamma Mia is not a good movie, from what I understand. I need to see it myself. I'm going to see it in le- in lead up to the sequel. But it caters to older women. It centers on a you know a, a woman. It centers on themes of motherhood, and it's and it is kind of silly and not very logical, and it's and it's kind of cheap, honestly. And it and it caters to a lot of things that women of of that age would enjoy, would stereotypically enjoy. ABBA music specifically, and then like, oh, it's on a Greek island, and it's it's got dance numbers, and it's fun and fanciful, and once again, I'm not decrying that you're wrong for enjoying these things. I'm what I'm saying is, I think, I think I'm onto something. Another good, I think another good example, my big fat Greek wedding, deals a lot. That and the sequel deal a lot. With with motherhood, deal a lot with family. You see this. You're, there's definitely, if not motherhood specifically, there's definitely a lot of family dynamics that are that are dealt with that aren't exactly well written or thought out. It's pretty cheap, but at the same time, it caters to what moms, quote unquote, as a group as a whole want to see. They supported that movie. I'm trying to think of other examples. Those are the ones that came to my mind. Um, I'm 
I'm trying to think. There's there's stuff with stuff with mom and the title, stuff for Mother's Day, best moms. I'm trying to think. Yeah, let me try this wording. Movies for moms. Fandango has a whole list. Let me see. Philomena, but I, but, uh, oh, Date Night, but once again, that's a rom-com. Um, I don't know if I had to be specifically, uh, mom exploitation. Mamma Mia. Terms of Endearment. No idea about that one. I, I, uh, I, that may be, that may be mom exploitation, but I think it's well-written enough to not be, not be considered schlocky. I'm thinking more cheaper. Baby Boo might be one. This one's about Diane Keaton uh, inheriting a baby from her cousin. That that might be some mom exploitation. Big Fat Greek Wedding. Chocolat. Never saw that one. Can't speak to it. But um, Aaron Bro- Aaron Brockovich. Nah, I wouldn't fit it at all. Freaky Fr. Ooh, the Freaky Friday remake. That might be some good mom exploitation. Um, even the original, The Incredibles. Uh, Steel Magnolias. I know it's a favorite among mo- a lot of moms and a lot of older women, but I know it's also a favorite among you know a lot of people, especially people in the South, since it's set. It's a, that's the setting there, and I've never. So I, I don't think it's too trash. Stepmom's a decent movie. The Guilt Trip. Oh my god, I forgot this one. Yes, The Guilt Trip was a movie starring Seth Rogen and Barbara Streisand, and it's. Barbara Streisand being the most stereotypical Jewish mother I think ever put to film. I think that'd be perfect mom exploitation. Um, this is forty. Uh, never saw that one. Can't speak to it. Um, I don't know. Edward Scissorhands. Edward Scissorhands is just a decent movie. So I think that kind of gives you a better idea. Another one I came up with. Not specifically mom exploitation, but you might consider it since it's, we're going to be talking about since it leads into a real mom exploitation movie. Uh, but Fifty Shades, I think, is a, it's definitely aimed to older women, uh, maybe women who are much more conservative and have and aren't familiar with a lot and haven't really taken the time to explore their sexuality uh, the way that a lot of that that most uh, younger generations have. Um, it's definitely wish fulfillment, <laughs> lacking a story and character. It's really cheap. The movies are definitely really che- cheaply made. Um, and most of the people who seem to be into the movies and the books are of are quote unquote moms. You know, older women who who make who 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 take this as essentially Harlequin romance. I think Harlequin romance. Is another kind of thing where you could kind of extrapolate that into mom exploitation because it it's it's oh it, it's it's exploitation, but for older women, suburban women, maybe women who want something more out of entertainment that maybe want something like that that's big, it's you know epic in scale, but it caters to emotion and feeling and romance. Um. But Fifty Shades leads into something coming up next week that I'll talk about in the trailer. Book Club. There's a movie that's been getting... You may have seen the trailers for it. Stars Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Candace Bergen, 
and Mary Steenburgen as a group of older women, many of whom are, I think a couple of whom are moms. I don't, that one of, they, uh, they specifically show Diane Keaton has kids. But it looks, doesn't look very, it doesn't, it's definitely pretty cheaply made. Not as cheap as real, as real B-movie exploitation movies. But definitely not very, but definitely pretty cheap, all things considered. I think the most expensive thing about the movie is going to be the actresses. It's, it's, it's all fantasy wish fulfillment. It's about women discovering their sexuality. And it's really, really, it's actually pretty poorly made. And, pu- and it puts uh, contrivance over logic. Specifically that, and I'm going to talk about it in the trailer. There's a joke at the end of the trailer that is really ham-fisted and corny and feels written for mothers you know for like oh i get that joke sort of thing and once again i could be completely off base with this one but i think i'm onto something it may not be it's not as definable as christ exploitation is as a genre where it's specifically you can tell this is a thing but i think there are certain subsects of especially romance movies uh, especially specifically rom-coms. I don't know if there as many dramas that cater to this, but there may be. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of romance movies, so there may be some really cheaply that cheaply made romance movies that just want you to kind of enjoy it for its own sake rather than enjoy it for its quality. Uh, but yeah, I think a, a lot of the stuff I mentioned, Mamma Mia, the Gary Marshall stuff, specifically Mother's Day. My Big Fat Greek Wedding, book, that upcoming book club, the, the, the Guilt Trip, things along that line. I think those are kind of good examples of what I'm trying to define with the term momsploitation. And once again, you may enjoy these movies. You, may, you can enjoy these movies. I don't, there's no judgment coming from me. I'm just saying I think I'm onto something here. I think you might be able to, because I think enough, enough, there's enough of an audience for, you know, there's enough of, you know, um, a support from that audience, particularly to define certain movies in that genre. Now, they're definitely more expensive than a lot of exploitation movies are. Like, Death Wish looks super cheap, and there are definitely movies that are exploit like most of the cry exploitation movies look like they were shot on home video. You know, like someone grabbed a Canon camera from Best Buy and they filmed a movie. Whereas these are genuinely well shot productions. But I still think, given the topics covered, given the audience it's made for, given their overall quality, that I might be onto something. If you like, once again, if I'm completely off base. Let me know. I will absolutely take this one as a loss if I'm not right. But if you th- but if what I'm saying makes sense, let me know. If you think, oh my god, that, that makes total sense. My mom loves all these movies of this same genre, and so do her friends, and so do a bunch of other moms that I know. You're on, you know, like, holy cow, mom exploitation. That makes sense. And I don't know. Like I said, it was, this has been a thought experiment. I had nothing else better to talk about that I could get ready within a week. I think, I think I've got, but I think this is what I have in mind. I think I, I think I got something. 
I don't know if dad. I, I also threw. A, I think I, mom's exploitation made more sense in my head than dad's exploitation. But I think you might be. You might find something similar in that vein. I'll talk about that on Father's Day. I'll look into that more. But yeah, I think I, I, if I'm not onto something, then call me out. Feel free to call me out. Say you're way off base. What? What? You know. What is wrong with you? So, yeah, I'll take this as a loss if I'm wrong. But at the same time, I at least wanted to throw it out there. Because I might be onto something. Who knows? You never know at this point. So, yeah. Happy Mother's Day. Uh, watch your favorite mom's exploitation movie with the mom in your life. Uh, with that being said, uh, I think we're going to cut to uh, John Bailey for a little box office report. John? And now the Popcorn Junkie checks in with this week's box office report. I need to find a good way to segue into this segment, but uh, yeah, we're going to talk about the box office report this week. So, um, luckily, luckily there weren't any real losers in terms of the new releases, so we'll just dig right into the top seven. Uh, first up, number seven uh, was last week's number five. Uh, most of the stuff dropped about two places, so things like uh, Black Panther and Tully uh, kind of dropped out from the top seven. Blockers is now out of the top ten entirely. Uh, Super Troopers and Truth or Dare dropped really far. Uh, but but right now, the top seven is Rampage, which brought in $3,380,000 and bringing its overall domestic total to $89 million. And it's overall f- worldwide gross to $397 million. I easily foresee this grossing over $400 million worldwide, which makes it a success in the international markets. We may not get a sequel to it, but it di- at least it made its money back. So good for them. I, I don't, you know, I don't hate them for succeeding. It's, I had fun. It's a really bad schlocky movie. That's an that that could be you know kaiju movies are their own exploitation movies, and we're gonna get another one this summer with Jurassic World two. Anyway, number six dropping down from number four is I Feel Pretty, which brought in three million seven hundred and ten thousand dollars, bringing its overall domestic total to forty three million, and does not list a foreign total. So it just so it's now finally over. So it's basically within the last couple of weeks made back its production budget, but it did not. But like like I've been saying, production budget multiple you know doubled is kind of will kind of cover the overall cost of a movie because that includes because they never tie in the marketing budget into the actual production costs of the movie, so. This movie is still running at a loss, and I doubt it'll unless there's like a really big pickup over the next over the next couple of weeks. Then this is definitely this one's definitely. Uh, I don't know uh, how how it performed uh, for all of Amy Schumer's movies. Uh, let me take a look at her stuff because her other st- things are we've got Trainwreck. That was her big. That was her debut. That was a lifetime gross up of one hundred and ten million dollars, and then uh, on a budget of what? Probably like 
Thir- okay, th- about the same as um, as I Feel Pretty, but it managed to gr- pull in mo- more than twice. It's almost three times its pr- production budget. So that one operated. That that one was successful, and then Snatched was her follow up, which brought in forty five million dollars on a forty two million dollar budget. With a, and worldwide total of sixty million, so it didn't do as well. And this one, they're not even announcing the foreign uh, box office for it, so it's either negligible or nobody wanted to see this in the foreign box off foreign box office. So she is slowly but surely losing uh, clout as a movie star, and I'm okay with that because honestly, even going back to Trainwreck, it's not something I rewatch again. So I feel like we were good without Amy Schumer movie star. Uh, meanwhile, we jump up uh, for number five. We got double, almost double. Um, the not a little less than double. Uh, I feel pretty's box office. A Quiet Place continues to roll along with six million four hundred thousand dollars, bringing its domestic total to one hundred and sixty-nine million and a worldwide gross of two hundred and sixty-nine million. On a $17 million budget. Keep your budgets low, folks. If it's a good movie, it will succeed no matter what. Just a reminder. Uh, Next up, number four is last week's Overboard. Wait, what was the other one last week? Uh, It was Overboard and... um, What... Bad Samaritan dropped all the way down to number 18. Bad Samaritan made less money than A Wrinkle in Time within the last week. And what was the other one? Um, Tully, which dropped below Rampage to number eight. To, to number eight. So, yeah, real, some real losses from last week. Uh, but Overboard brought in $10,100,000, million, $10,100, bringing its overall gro- domestic gross to $29 million. Which I th- I think it's about its production budget. It's not making back its uh, advertising budget, especially since he's been uh, they had Eugenio Derbez advertise overboard through Cinemark theaters. So I mean, they've been there's been a push for this movie, but uh, it doesn't look they don't announce the budget for the movie. I doubt it's much. I d- it's probably about twenty five to thirty million dollars. Honestly, I doubt it's much more than twenty million. I doubt it's lower than $20 million, so it's made back its budget, I'm sure, but it's definitely not doing as well. So, not, maybe not a movie to have remade. Anyway, for, number three is our first premiere this weekend with Breaking In, which brought in $16,500,000, which is already operating at a, at, at a win because its production budget was $6 million. That's twelve million dollars, so it's already made back its money. It's com- it's it's running in the black now. So congratulations for them. It's successful. So everything from this weekend on is is good. Is just more money for them. So I hope this. I hope this means that Gabrielle Union gets more work because I need her to get more work because she is amazing. But yeah, uh, so that was good. That's good to see. Uh, and then number two was the other premiere this week, Life of the Party, which brought in $18,500,000 on no budget listed, but global, gro- the, the uh, worldwide total is $21 million. And let me see. 
Life of the Party Budget. Uh, IMDb does not list its budget, so we'll cut back and go to the wiki. $30 million. It's already operating at a loss. Once again, keep your budgets low. This movie could not bring in its own budget opening weekend, and it's doubtful that it's going to succeed beyond that. So this is probably the first Ben... Let me double-check the other Ben Falcone uh, movies he, he's done with her. So let's see. I know... Let's see. There's... Um, there's Tammy, which I know brought in like $100 million. And then there's The Boss, which brought in how much? Here we go. Uh, the Boss brought in $63 million world uh, lifetime during its run. And yeah, Tammy, okay, not $100 million, but $84 million overall on a $20 million budget. And then The Boss brought in $63 million on a $29 million budget. So this one couldn't even scratch its budget opening weekend. This this one is probably this one seems to be aside from this is 40 and life as we know it. I mean back, we're going back to before Bridesmaids when uh when a Melissa McCarthy movie opened this low. Like the next one up from this was Tammy. Tammy and the Boss both premiered higher than this. I, the only one that's actually the only one that's done cheaper than this was St. Vincent and only because that was an independent movie. Like it opened up at $109,000 and that one wasn't one of her movies. That was just a movie where she was, uh, where she was in it. This one is one where she is the star and it couldn't even grow. It couldn't even break $20 million. So Good thing it's a it looks like people are in agreement with me. This movie is not good. So and they're not they're, and their money it, they're putting their money where their mouth is and not seeing it. And so for the what? How many weeks in a row? How many weeks has it been at number one? It's still at number one. How many weeks has it been at number one? Premier, premiered April 27th. So this will be the third weekend in a row. At number one in the box office in America, Infinity War. This weekend, it brought in $61,817,000, bringing its domestic total to $547 million, and its worldwide total to $1.6 billion. It premiered in China this past week, and thanks to, thanks to the boost from there, its foreign, its foreign gross was over a billion dollars. This movie made all of the money. This movie, I think I think it made twice as much as Justice League alone. How much did Justice League bring in? Justice League brought in 220 Oh my god, it couldn't even It couldn't even It's it's no comparison. There's no comparison. This really like seriously it took 10 years, but now they're making just all of the money. It's wor- it works. The, the system works. Their system works. So yeah, I am excited. Yes, all, that is good. 
So that was the box office report for this weekend. I think Avengers may finally drop because we got a big one coming this weekend, which leads us into the trailer talk. And so this weekend we got three major releases. The first one, one that I'm not as keen on anymore, which I'll get into after the trailer. But let's take a let's take a look at the final trailer for Deadpool Two. We're getting close. You all know the drill. Intercept the convoy. Watch out for cable. Hit it! There's this kid. He's in trouble. Move or die. Pump the hate breaks, Thanos. Pump the hate... Ah! Studio that killed Wolverine. But I can't do this alone. We need backup. We're gonna form a super duper f- group. It's time to get back on LinkedIn. Meet Bedlam. Yeah, Terry Crews is a superhero. Domino, I'm lucky. Luck isn't a superpower. And certainly not very cinematic. <laughs> yes, it is. Let's meet in the middle and say no, it isn't. On May 18th. It's showtime. Don't call it a comeback. I've been here for years. You never forget. Your second time. You sure you're not from the DC universe? Bring it on one night, Willie. <laughs> and last but not least, Peter. Any power you want to tell us about? I don't, I don't have one. Um, I, I just saw the ad. You're in. Oh, I can't wait to see what they do with him. And uh, I'm surprised they didn't bring Hydra Bob back into the fold. That would have been fun. Maybe he'll maybe he'll show up in another cameo. But yeah. Um, I'll get into why I'm not as keen on this movie this time around. Uh, I brought this up back when it happened in August. But one of the producers insisted that a first-time stunt woman uh, go with a stunt despite, um, despite you know, protests from the actual stunt coordinators on the set and got... Uh, motorcycle uh, driver Joy Harris, S.J. Harris, killed on set because a producer demanded that she go ahead with a stunt that she was not prepared for. That other that the stunt that all the stunt team said, "Don't do this." It it got her killed. She is di- She is dead because of that. And everyone's marking as, "Oh man, we're so sorry this happened." Some you know, it's just a terrible accident. And I'm like. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. You don't get to say this was just a terrible accident. You wanted brownie points 
for putting a black stunt woman to play a black character. Which, that's a good thing. We need more diversity in the stunt community. But you don't get to pat yourself on the back. But no. When, you, when that mindset gets a woman killed, you are wrong. And that will forever stain my any respect I might give this movie. Because no. You don't just get to get to make this decision to get somebody killed and say, oh, well, you know, accidents happen. Not when you were told that this is a bad idea. They will still, like, you know what would give me, you know, you know, when I, you know what would make me stop harping on this? What, stop calling them out on this? If they called, if they said who the producer was, took away any money that they would make from this, from this, this, from this project, and gave it to Joy Harris's family, and promote and set and set up a a, a way to in to bring in more more group, more people of color into the stunt community. If they did that, if they took away that person's profits from this movie, if they cut the producer's name from the credits and took the money that was going to them, and set up a fund in order to benefit Joy Harris's family. And benefit, and benefit more diversity in the stunt world, in film stunts, I would give them credit. I would say, okay, you did what, you did honestly the, you did what I would expect a decent human being to do given the situation. You don't get to say, you don't get to force a, a first time stunt woman to do something she's not prepared for. Have her die on set and say, oh, well, accidents happen. No. Actions should have consequences. And the fact that they don't pisses me off. So, no. I, I wish that this movie became synonymous with Joy Harris's death. And if they wanted the movie not to be synonymous with it, then they should, then they should throw that producer under the bus where they belong. Sorry, just... It still pisses me off. It still pisses me off that they that 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 they're essentially getting away with murder because oh well accidents happen. No, you take responsibility for your damn actions, you piece of garbage. Anyway, moving on to that mosploitation movie I I mentioned. Next uh, come uh premiering next to Deadpool is Book Club. Friends, I would like to introduce you to Christian Grey. Oh no. We started this book club to stimulate our minds. From what I hear, this book is quite stimulating. So apparently Jane Fonda is the Blanche oh, of this group. The, whoa, what's that? That's not mine. I've never seen that book before, honestly. This is nasty. Have you ever been Oh, like she's never heard of this Fifty Shades. Come on. Tizzy. Give me the zip ties. Are you thinking about tying me up? What? Nothing is just. If women our age were meant to have sex, God yeah, would see, do what he does to our bodies. These are mom jokes. Well, that was not God. That was Dr. Nazarian. You just need to put yourself. Yeah, see, I like Candace Bergen. I'm glad she's yes. making a comeback. Wrap up your love life with these tips. Do you need anything else, Your Honor? A man of your dreams. Yeah, this is. Just to click away. No, I don't. I'm fine. Thank you. Yep. Slam. Yes, that, that was Arthur lame. What's it been, 40 years? Since when did you eat ice cream? God, I got a brain freeze. Here, give that to a professional. Oh, my God. It's a first date. So hold on, something I sexy. Love Just be comfortable. That's too comfortable. Right. 
Well, hey, you. This I man. <gasps> yeah, they're like sneaking at the window like they're little girls. Everybody remembers their first kiss. How about I tell you about my best kiss? Maybe that hasn't happened yet. <laughs> I never thought I'd be back it's always here the again. Best chapter. Is it as good next as chapter is always the best chapter. Maybe better. I'll give a little bit. Diane Keaton, Jane Fonda, Dennis Burgess, Mary Steenburgen. Three Academy Award winners are the nominee. There's a man out there who makes me feel things that I didn't think were still possible. You are better at this than you think. Oh no, mommy's making out in the pool. Also, Richard Dreyfuss. That's life. And I'm not through living mine just yet. I'll give a little bit. I can't Club. believe you put Viagra in my beer. <laughs> yep. I'm going to need you that's to step it. out of the vehicle. Wait for it. I don't think that's a good idea, officer. Get it? Okay. He's Enjoy got a night. boner. You too. Thank you. Ah, get it? Get it? Do you see? Do you see? Yeah, uh, this, this is... <laughs> You can see why I'm calling this momsploitation, right? You see why I think this one fits. This is why I'm onto something. So maybe it'll be good. I have no idea. I'm willing to go in with an open mind. I just know it's going to be campy and it's going to be, you know, very tongue in cheek. So, hey, I like Candace Bergen in the trailer. So maybe she'll be my favorite character and help me survive the experience. We'll see. And the last one, the worst release of the weekend. The producer, one of the producers on Deadpool got a woman killed, but this isn't as bad, but it's, it's, it's an overall terrible, terrible, unwatchable project. Like the movie is awful. Not as bad as murder, but show dogs. I'm Max. I'm an undercover cop. You're a dog. Dogs can't go undercover. And they're using the dog show as a front for animal smuggling. Why are there dogs in this meeting? That's what partners are for. What is happening in this town? Let's take these smugglers down. Las Vegas. I get props to hip hop, so hip hop hooray. I thought these jokes died decades ago. What kind of dog likes hip hop? They're at the world's most exclusive dog show. You're here. Bow to the king. You were kidding me, right? <laughs> and Max. Are we in the right place? I could have swore we were backstage at a Cirque du Soleil. What? He's on a mission. <laughs> Wait, you're a cop? I'm working undercover. What if he actually won the whole show? Nope. <laughs> hey, you do remember I bite, right? This year. All right, coach, what's our first move? I shall turn you into Oh, my show. God. This, <laughs> they made the Chihuahua Dam. The CG in this movie is atrocious. for me to get back here for that, didn't you? <laughs> and some help from friends. I'm deputizing both of you. Yes, sir. Dogs can't deputize! What is this? Just uh, hang on, kid. I'm coming. Solve the case. You are different from other show dogs. Max is a partner. He's so as a partner. From the director of Beverly Hills Chihuahua, the Smurfs, and Scooby-Doo. A team of crime fighters. With license to bite. Will Arnett, Ludacris Bridges, Jordan Sparks, Gabriel Iglesias, Shaquille O'Neal. work on pampering can go on Paul. Show dogs. What's that? Bikini wax? It's payback time. Uh, uh, wait. What? 
the pain passes, but the beauty shall remain. Who allowed this to happen? Why were these people not exiled on a ice flow? Why were they not dropped on an on an on a uncharted island where they belong? Who allowed this to happen? Why? Why is this happening? Why must I suffer for this? So yeah, the producers of Deadpool, one of the producers of Deadpool may be a literal murderer, but the people of this should be barred from ever making film again because why, who allows this to happen? No, make it stop. Make it stop. So yeah, I've got that to look forward to next week. So stay tuned for an extensive rant on show dogs. And uh, yeah, uh, I think that about does it for this weekend, which means it is time for the plugs. If you are listening to this podcast, you're most likely listening to us through our homepage at GumbyCatNetworks.com. And if you want to check out all of our other fine programming, you can do so and if you want to keep up to date on all the podcasts, just favor our page, whitelist us on your ad blockers, and let us, you know, and share us with your friends. And if you don't want to use our site specifically, Popcorn Junkie is available through your various podcasting apps. Uh, I know specifically we're on iTunes. We should be back up on Google Play. We're on Spotify. We're on iHeartRadio. I got the announcement within the last few, within the last week that I was accepted onto iHeartRadio. We're on Spotify. We're all over the place. So if you want to keep up to date on the podcast, you can do so on your various podcasting platforms. And if you want, and be sure to like us, share us, favorite us, um, leave a five-star rating and review. Let people know that you like the show and they should check it out. And if you, and you can do that as well through social media and you can help support us there through your various social media platforms. Uh, the main one is facebook.com slash popcorn junkie. Uh, there you'll get all the major announcements and updates from the recent announcement that I just rebooted the Patreon page to the, to, you know, when I'm seeing new releases to when new episodes come out to Stardust reactions, all of that is available on facebook.com slash popcorn junkie. And if you want the Facebook feed, plus a couple of more interactive features, you can join me over on Twitter at Corn Junkie Pod, I just did a munch along for the 1974 Death Wish. So if you want to do more munch alongs with me, do join me in trailer talk or just join me in film discussion. You can join me over on Twitter at Corn Junkie Pod. I'm still finding more uses for the Instagram, but if you want to follow us on Instagram, we're at we're on Instagram at Popcorn Junkie Podcast. And if you want to follow us on Stardust, we're at Popcorn Junkie. And if you haven't yet, please please download the Stardust app. It's a lot of fun. You can join uh, Jeremy Johns, uh, the Schmoe Snow guys, the Double Toasted guys. Uh, you can join the other internets, John Bailey, the more famous one. Uh, John Bailey with an I and I believe an H. I think he's, the, he's my literal Yang. He's, no, I'm, I'm the Yang to his yin, I think. Basically, we're... He's the other John Bailey. He is the epic voice guy from Honest Trailers. He does all kind. He is all over the app, and he makes some of the best reactions. He does great impressions for a lot of the movies. He's a lot of fun. Go check him out there at Epic Voice Guy, and check us out at Popcorn Junkie. Just join the Stardust community. We're a lot of fun. You're if you haven't yet, you're missing out. We're having a lot of fun. It's basically 
a self-contained vine for movie lovers and TV lovers, because you can also check out, you know, you can also give your reactions to new TV episodes as well as the trailers. So yes, just join us in Stardust. We're having a lot of fun. You should join us. And Twitch is still offline for the moment. Uh, I'm trying to get things figured out. Once I get another, once I get income coming in, and I can catch up, uh, and I can find a way to make use of the video uh, from my previous Twitch streams, I'll get started again. Uh, I might. Just upload them to Patreon for right now. Maybe host them on Vimeo. I'll see how much that costs. I know I don't... I don't know if I want to get on YouTube. I know I use YouTube to follow others, but I don't know if... I think I may be too late to for to make use of the platform. It's maybe too much. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, I'll, I'll announce that when I make headway on that. But, uh... As I mentioned, I rebooted the Patreon. So if you want to join me over on Patreon and support the show there, you get you can get a taste of your first exclusive content. That will be the audio munch along to Bambi, which is which is essentially a riff track style commentary to the to the to my favorite movie Bambi, which you can watch along with and and hear my commentary. And you can also hear a preview episode as essentially an episode 0 of the Make a Better Movie podcast that will be exclusive to Patreon for the to- for the first uh, however many uh, whatever one goal I want to set with that maybe like the first once I hit ten episodes I'll uh, I'll start releasing them to the main feed but we'll keep it Patre- Patreon exclusive for the time being so if you want some exclusive content available only to patrons you can join me over on patreon.com slash popcorn junkie and help support a Young, help us support an independent podcaster to make more content. And if there's anything else you want to say, if you think I was wrong about the momsploitation thing, if you think I'm onto something, if you didn't, if you didn't agree with my reviews, if you, you know, if you did agree with my reviews, whatever it is you want to say to me, send that to popcornjunkiepodcast at gmail.com. I'll get back to you in private. And if you want, I'll even read your message out on the show. That about does it for this week. Until next time, I'm John Bailey, and I want to wish my mom a happy Mother's Day. Because even though I just saw her, I forgot to do it in person. New Africa! The theme song for Popcorn Junkie is Funky Popcorn by The M. Look up Funky Popcorn by the letter M on SoundCloud for more of their music. Artwork provided by Nafio, N-A-F-Y-O. Look up nafio.deviantart.com for more of his artwork. Wrote the last two Liam Neeson movies. <coughs> <coughs> yeah, apparently I'm allergic to that guy. And if you don't want to use our site specifically, where pot, popcorn junkie is available through most of your third party app, pop cap. I'm Kanye West. Poopity scoopity poopity poop. That's what this that's what show dogs is. Poopity poopity scoopity poop.